0: Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 2, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino, with your host, Camino Guide and longtime pilgrim Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hey there, this is Nancy, just back from the annual gathering of the American Pilgrims on the Camino at Lake Tahoe, Nevada, in the U.S. I will sum up the gathering this way Wow! First, the venue Zephyr Cove Conference Center is right on Lake Tahoe, as in cabins and meeting rooms perched just above the water as in a long pier that juts out into the lake where you can sit or walk along. And stunning views from every building, every window, every path. The weather was perfect. And the mountains, but not the roads, were covered with snow. It was absolutely beautiful. Then the conference program. It was filled with dynamic and knowledgeable speakers who shared their Camino experiences with inspiring stories. They shared helpful tips and creative ideas we could take home with us. And the people, the pilgrims, 236 of us with one big life changing thing in common the Camino de Santiago. And in addition to meeting some fascinating people, including a couple of my listeners, let me give a shout out to Allison and Chad, and resetting my heart and soul on the shores of the lake. I also learned so much about the American Pilgrims Organization and the good work these people do to support the infrastructure of the Camino and to support past and future pilgrims. Their website is in the notes, so you can take a look at what they do and even become a member. What if you're not an American or you're not in the U.S.? Well, you can still access that website and take advantage of all the helpful information there. And your country probably has a similar organization. I did a quick internet search and easily found the websites for the Canadian and United Kingdom pilgrim organizations. So I put those in the notes too why not do a quick search of your country's pilgrim organization? I bet you'll find some good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, I have some wonderful, inspiring guests lined up for the remainder of this season of the podcast. Season two will wrap up in early June, and then I'll take a break, and season three will start in July. At this point in time, I am starting to search for guests for season three. Here's who I'm looking for. I'm looking for pilgrims who will be walking in fall or winter 2023. So fall or winter this year, and that is anything from September through December. I'm also looking for pilgrims who will walk in 2024 anytime. At the American Pilgrims Gathering, we heard from Winter Pilgrim Ann Bourne. She gave a talk about her experiences walking the Camino during the quieter months of December through February. And I will tell you, she inspired a lot of people who have already walked in other months. She inspired them to return again and walk in the winter. So I'm wondering, are there any Winter Pilgrims listening in? I would love to feature someone who will be walking between December and March. The only requirement to be a guest on this podcast is that you are getting ready for your first ever pilgrimage on the Camino. Any route, Frances, Portuguese, Del Norte, Primitivo, Inglés, San Via de la Plata. Any route for anyone who is a first-time pilgrim. To let me know you're interested, I've got the link for the podcast guest request form in the notes. So check out the notes for the show and let me know you're interested if you meet those criteria. Now, before I introduce my guest for this episode, I want to mention one more thing. You have heard me talk about the groups I lead on the Camino Frances, and I want to be sure you know that I have space for you in the group that starts in St. Jean-Pied-du-Port on September 9th this year. I think there might be some misconceptions about walking the Camino with a group. So let me share a few things that make my groups unique. The beauty of starting with a group is that it gives you a ready-made group of friends to do the Camino with. But you may be worried that you would be stuck walking together every step of the way? What if you want to walk alone for all or part of the day? And what if you like the idea of starting with the group, having some people you already know when you get to the trail, and not having to walk out of Saint-Jean alone, but you don't know if you'd want to stay with a group once you get comfortable on the trail, I mean, what if you meet and connect with other pilgrims who aren't part of the group? When I first designed the Camino Experience Program, it was called Just Get Me Started. I had been observing pilgrims on the trail for a few years, and I noticed that for many pilgrims, the hardest part of walking the Camino was getting started, getting ready, getting there, starting the walk, and getting settled into your backpack, and the rhythm of the Camino. So that is exactly what my groups get. Expert assistance going from, yes, I want to do this, all the way to your first steps, plus me as a resource and guide on the trail for the first four days of walking. Why just four days? Because by the time we get to Pamplona, you won't need me anymore. I will still be available by email and WhatsApp and I will be back in touch with you as you approach Santiago and then start the journey home. But by Pamplona, you will know you got this. And if you want to walk only as far as Pamplona, fabulous, please join me as well. But back to those things that I mentioned a moment ago. What if you don't want to walk the trail every day, every step with another person or with a group. Well, the beauty of the groups that I lead is I am here to empower you to have the Camino experience that you are seeking. So if you want to walk alone, you can walk alone. If you meet people from outside of the group who you want to connect with and spend time with, that's fabulous. That's what we're looking for. I'm looking to give you the support you need to get going and to ease into the Camino experience you are longing for. Yes, you'll start with a ready-made group of friends, but we do know that in groups we don't always connect with everybody in a group. So you'll connect with the people who you connect with and you'll walk the Camino experience you are meant to walk. The group will start meeting on Zoom in June to get to know each other and plan and prepare together. So now is the time to register so I can start sending you all my planning tools and help you get ready for our first call. As I said, I have a group meeting in Saint-Jean on September 9th. I have another group scheduled to start on September 23rd, but I think that one is going to be delayed by one week for those who have been longing for a walk deeper into fall. Is that you? Would you like to walk with me this year? The link to contact me is in the show notes. You can click on that or send me an email at youonthecamino at gmail.com. Last thing, if you are on my email list, then you have already received your free copy of my Camino Planning Roadmap. That is the framework I use to get my groups ready to walk the Camino. We follow that roadmap together, and I coach and advise my pilgrims on every step through weekly Zoom calls and lots of emails. If you don't have the roadmap yet, the link to get it is in the notes. Now, let me introduce you to my guest. I had the pleasure of talking to Kathy Mitchell last year, when she was in the early, early stages of planning her walk on the Camino del Norte. And here we are, just weeks away from her departure and the start of her pilgrimage. I had a feeling back then that I would want to speak with Kathy again as her Camino start date approached, and I was right. I'm so happy to tell you that Kathy is here with me today to continue that conversation and share with us. How her planning has been going and what is on her mind now. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for joining me. Hola. (laughs) You've been working on your Spanish. I have
1: a little bit. Good. A little bit. So, hola.
0: Buenos dias. Buenos dias. And welcome back. Gracias. (laughs) So, I bet a lot has transpired since the last time we talked. And as I mentioned, you're, you told us you were going to walk the Ndol Norte, and when we talked the last time, you were debating where to start. So why don't we just start off with the logistics of what plans you have made? What How have your plans moved ahead in the actual where, where you'll start and how long you'll take and how far you'll walk? So how about we start there?
1: Okay. Um, well, I decided to start in Irun. Uh, because after hearing a few different people talk about their travels from Erum to San Sebastian, they said that that was the most beautiful part of their trip. Wow. Hearing that, I just think that I need to find out for myself. Mm-hmm. So that was what made my decision to start in Irun. Okay. And I've actually backed my trip up. No, brought it forward. I'm actually going to be leaving uh, mid-May now. So I think I'll encounter a little bit more rain but that's okay. I'm trying to what I'm trying to avoid is towards the end of the trip that the mileage increases. And I would rather do that in a little bit cooler weather than to get into the first part of July when it's mm. really hot. So I'd rather take the rain up front and not scorch on the back end.
0: Okay. So let me make sure I understood what you, what you meant by that. Does that mean that the stages get longer, the closer you get to Santiago?
1: It seems like if the longer stages are midpoint and after, there's only a few that are short,
0: but uh, how long are the stages on the Norte? This is a route I'm not familiar with. So I, I know our listeners would love to know some details.
1: So, the very first, I have some of them here. The longest one is 37 kilometers in one day. Oh, wow. So that's um, getting into Santa Lana de Mar, but I'm going to stay an extra day there and let my body recover. Mm. Um, The shortest is 10.8 kilometers. And that is actually the day that I'll get into Bilbao. Am I saying it right?
0: I think so. Bilbao. Yes. <laughs> But they are
1: between 20 and 29 kilometers a day. You know, some are a little shorter, but not much from what I was looking
0: And I remember from last time you sharing that you are an avid hiker. So how do you feel about these distances? Does that seem like uh, no problem or I'm going to really have to push myself?
1: The distance itself doesn't seem like it's a problem, but what is the unknown is the terrain. And that is a game changer sure somebody can walk 10 miles on the flat but 10 miles uphill or 10 miles on rocky terrain that changes everything so mm-hmm. I'm just planning on giving myself a lot of grace and making sure that I have enough food and pay attention to how my body feels and rest when I need to
0: excellent so Bilbao you said an extra day in Bilbao what is it about Bilbao that's calling you
1: it looks beautiful I believe that that's, I have so many notes on so many different places, but I believe that is where the, there is a church there that I want to go see.
0: So, so much of these places in Spain, they're so old by US standards. Our country is just over 200 years old. Well, the United States are just over 200 years old, but our indigenous Native American people have been here much longer. But our architecture, is just over 200 years old. Whereas in Spain, the architecture is hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it's just so different. The things that went on were so different than our modern times. And they had to build for that.
1: Right. And one of the things I do want to see is a more modern structure because the Guggenheim was actually there. Yes. So that's something that I definitely want to see. That's Just an incredible structure. But the museums and the cathedral, it's just a beautiful city.
0: So this is interesting. This is getting me thinking about how we spend our time on the Camino. So we we go for whatever reasons we go for, whether that's a, a spiritual or religious pilgrimage, whether it's a long and intense hike, or whether it's to immerse ourselves in the culture of Spain. What is this for you?
1: It's a bit of everything. It's more of a journey of self-discovery. I think the last time we talked, I I spoke about when I quit corporate America and I went out to Yellowstone, being surrounded by people that did not know me, that did not know who Kathy was. I didn't realize when I went out there, I didn't know who she was either, because Mm -hmm. I was always either a mom or a wife or a worker or a daughter or something And no matter how much I tried to change, people still saw me as who they knew. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I went out to Yellowstone, I was able to just really discover who I was and let people know the real me. I think the people that I met in Yellowstone and the friends that I made in Yellowstone are the only people that really have met the authentic Kathy. Because even when I came back here, people expected the same old person to come back. And I had changed so much. and It really caused some problems with my relationships with people, because I wasn't the yes person anymore. And I wasn't the, you know, oh yes, I'm going to jump in and fix everything. And it it did, it it caused some problems, but also all those expectations, all those roles were here and I slid back into them a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping for me, I find that person in another layer, a deeper layer of that person when I'm in Spain. Because again, no one will know me. They don't know who I am, what I like, or I don't like my opinions, my attitudes, my behavior. They don't know any of that. So they can just see me.
0: It's one of the most beautiful, almost inexplicable aspects of the Camino is that you nobody knows you. No one knows your history. And so you can show up as whomever you like. Yes, But mm. I'm And there is that element of it, what you said, of discovering who you really are. De- definitely. I mean, I found in
1: Yellowstone, sometimes I would say, oh, sure, I want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Why am I saying that? Because people back at home would do that. And I would want to go for the friendship with the camera or, or because my husband liked it or because my kids wanted to do it. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. And when I would say, you know, I really don't want to do that. People would be like, oh, okay. And like, oh my gosh, it's okay not to like that. It's wow.
0: Okay. No problem. It's okay. Yeah. So that was
1: yeah. uh, kind of affirming, you know, that it's okay to be the person that you want to be and that you truly are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then strengthening that muscle, which is what you get to do on the Camino. Strengthening a lot of muscles. (laughs) Right, We're talking literally and metaphorically here. (laughs) (laughs) Will you remind us how long you'll be on the trail?
1: I plan on being on the trail 40 days. Again, the reason I haven't booked my ticket is I really want to look and give myself enough time. I don't want to rush anything. I don't want to get to the end. And I have looked at a couple, okay, between this point and this point, there's not a whole lot that is drawing me. If I am running out of time or if I've decided to stay in today's, days, there's a train.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I saw people bicycle the Camino and I don't know how they do that or how they, where they get the
0: bikes. But I thought,
1: well, I can always ride a bike from one one city than the next too. I don't know where they get the bicycles, but.
0: There are companies that are set up to rent bikes to the pilgrims. And what they do is they rent them So I'll speak, for example, on the Camino Frances, you might rent a bike and pick it up in Pamplona and ride it to Santiago, and they will pick it up in Santiago and return it to Pamplona. So it's part of the service that they provide is to pick up the bike when you're done. There's a company that allows you to pick up a bike in Burgos and ride it across the Meseta to Leon, which is the flattish area of the Camino. And again, they'll, they'll move the bike back to Burgos when you're done. So I wonder if there are such services on the Norte that might be worth looking into.
1: That's something that I'm thinking about looking into because if I'm, again, if I'm tired or spend too much time to have that option, you know, just to move forward a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. And there are buses and trains, as you said. Would you share with us Your attitude or your thoughts about not walking every step? Because some people are really serious. You have to walk every step. And other people are, no, I just need to move along the camino. Would you share with us your thoughts on what that would be for you? I think 20 years ago, when
1: I first wanted to do this, I was one of those, you have to walk every step or it doesn't count. But this is my camino. So if I want to walk every step, that's great. If I have to bike part of it or take a train or a bus, that's fine. If I want to stay in a hotel one night and, you know, relax in a comfortable bed and take a hot shower, it's my Camino. It's nobody else's. So as long as I'm okay with it, that's all that matters.
0: Right. And that's useful. Spreading your wings even more. That's you standing up for what's right for you even more.
1: Right. And I need to pay attention to my body. I need to pay attention to my soul. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to take myself out of a situation that I'm really enjoying just because, oh, if I don't go now, I'm not going to get every step in. Great. Great. Yeah, it's not different my watch. You know, I'm supposed to do 10,000 steps a day. But if I'm at 9,500 and I'm tired, whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. You are the boss of you, not the watch on your wrist. Right. <laughs> That's really good. I wonder if you'd share with us what kinds of things have been transpiring since we last talked that maybe have thrown up some roadblocks to getting ready, given you some challenges. I know oftentimes the journey that a pilgrim takes begins when they say, Yes, I'm going to do this. And the mountains come early in the planning process. Would you be willing to share with us some of the things that have come along, come up for you?
1: Absolutely. Since we talked last, my husband was transferred. Well, he went from a traveling job where he was home in Michigan every weekend to being completely transferred. And that happened on a Tuesday, he found out Thursday, he was being transferred to a whole nother state. And we were not seeing each other at all. We were, I, we were planning on me moving to Virginia with him. And so I put everything on hold because I couldn't even book a ticket. I didn't know if I was flying out of Michigan or of Virginia. Right. I, I didn't know what was happening or if it could even happen. Mm-hmm. And then we just decided after me flying out to Virginia, us finding a house to rent that work in our budget that was, you know, in the middle of the mountains, it was gorgeous. And we just drove away going, this isn't right. This isn't what we want to do. This isn't who we are. Mm -hmm. Our whole thing, when we got married, our slogan was live simply and do (laughs) bullshit. And all of a sudden our life got so complicated and we were both miserable. So he quit. And just came home. That was a, just quit and come home. Wow. So that's what he did, and he was home on Christmas Day. We were facing not seeing each other over the holidays. He wasn't home at Thanksgiving. It was pretty not good, mm. pretty bad. But um, he's home now. He's found a job that hopefully he likes. You know, I mean, it's still new, and everything is back on track. But the biggest thing is, even with all that chaos, he never stopped believing that I was going to go. He never stopped telling me I was going to go. And at one point, he said, if you don't go, it's 100% on you. (laughs) And for Christmas, he gifted me a huge amount of air miles so that I could actually purchase a first class ticket. At least on the way home, I can ride first class. class.
0: How wonderful. (laughs)
1: And he's always been my biggest fan and my biggest supporter and the person that calls me out when I'm doubting myself or being negative. He's the person to call me out on my BS and say, no, you know, if you don't, it's, it's your fault because you can, you can do this. You are capable. We have finances, you know, and even work, work has been a real problem. I found out that they won't let me take all my time at once to do the Camino. So basically me going is me quitting. So I would come back unemployed. And when I realized that it was like, a weight off my shoulders.
0: (laughs) You had said that that was sort of your plan. Well, it was my plan because I, they were really holding
1: fast to the, you're only allowed to take two weeks off at a time. I'm like, well, I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a person that has two weeks out of 52 that are mine to do with what I want. That's not how to live life.
0: In a way. If
1: you look at the Europeans, that's not how they live.
0: Right. Right. I think they're onto something. Now, in all this time when your husband was telling you, you know, supporting you and encouraging you, was there any point where you were ready to give yourself the out and go, you know what? I just won't do this right now
1: there was, and it was because I was being a chicken and because I wasn't being brave and I it was all fear-based. It's said, what if, what if I fail? What if I can't, what if I
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't learn the language, you know? And, and there was all these things in the back of my head that I never said, you know, but it was all fear and yeah. not, not believing in myself and not supporting myself and not giving myself the permission to do the thing that I've wanted to do for 20 years. Yeah. So, and it really, I mean, it it took me getting sick. It took me getting sick. My body physically starting to break down and like I was gaining weight. My joints hurt. I was having panic attacks. When I realized it's like, this is all because I'm giving up on myself. And I promised I was not going to do that.
0: Oh, Kathy.
1: So so here I am and I'm going and it's only been honestly Nancy it's only been 2 weeks since I have been strong enough to be back 100% and liking myself and supporting myself and believing in all this it's only been 2 weeks but in that 2 weeks I feel like this huge even facing not having a job and whatever I don't care I'm good I'm good I'm better than good
0: in our last conversation, you said one of the key things you were going for was to learn or to demonstrate being brave for yourself. Could we say that your camino started already?
1: Oh, my Camino has started already. My Camino has started already. I have a box in my office. It fits in my backpack and I like, that's my allowable space for all my things. So, you know, if I put something in that box, I pick it up. It's like, yep, I can carry that. Yes, everything fits. But it's right in the middle of my office. I literally have to move it out of my way when I get to my desk to remind myself every day. And my my credential is right on the top of it. It's And it's happening.
0: This is courage, girl. This is courage to keep moving forward. When you're scared and when your body is saying, you can't do this, obviously. And you're saying, No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna face that fear and do it.
1: I feel brave. I feel I, I don't know how to say. I feel alive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm living and not existing. You know? There's like such a huge difference, and so many people don't realize that there's a difference between living and existing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was existing. I mean, at work, at home, I just it, it was so difficult with my husband gone, and, and just the situation here, and I, and all the things that were going on at work, and I was letting it get to me. Mm. Like, no. I think the best thing two weeks ago, my boss said something to me and I just sat straight. I'm not really sad. Well, you yeah, know, not hope was sassy. <laughs> I just think like, what was in my head just came out of my mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I, I need to speak my truth. I need mm-hmm. to speak my truth. I need to live my truth. And I need to do everything I tell everybody else to do for themselves. You know, stand up for yourself do what makes you happy. Do the things you love. So that's what I'm doing.
0: Oh, standing ovation over here. I'm so happy for you and so just so pleased to hear this and and again I really want to point out that you are doing what you said you were going to do and why you wanted to walk the Camino. This is courageous. And to many people would never quit their jobs and go off and do something like this and just trust that in being true to yourself, it's all going to work out.
1: Well, I think I said last time, I have always, no matter what has happened in my life, and I've had some things go sideways, but I have always landed on my feet. I've always had something present itself at just the right time. So whatever, whatever awaits me when I come back, The Camino is going to be perfect. It's going to be exactly what it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Have you heard the saying, the Camino provides? I have. Yeah. What you're reminding me of is that life provides. The idea that the Camino provides is sort of a gateway into that. But you have lots of examples and lots of evidence that life provides. And so it will it will, while you're on the Camino, it'll provide when you get back. Yeah. But it takes some courage to trust that. It
1: does take courage and it doesn't hurt to have a really awesome husband oh, reminding you
0: of that. The best, the best. If I remember correctly, he's the one who, who kind of said, uh, so Kathy, why, why aren't you going to look at that website and find something to do? So you're not regretting that anymore when you went to Yellowstone.
1: Yeah, he has been, he has been the person in my life that has helped me find myself the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all need someone like that, whether it's a partner or a best friend, or maybe even a dog that listens really well. <laughs> i got one of those too. <laughs> one, one of those. You got, You've got a dog too. Perfect. Now, you had said before, the last time we talked that you're... Husband was going to meet you and walk with you to Fistera or Finistere. Is that still happening? No,
1: because he's just started a new job. So he won't be able to do that. Okay. I think I may end my Camino in Santiago. And then when we are able to go back together, we will do that. Because there's something inside of me that just says, I I want to do that with him. Mm. I don't want to do it alone. I want to get to the end of the world with him. Oh, great. I know that's sappy, but it's kind of
0: okay, let's see a show a hands who does not want more sappy in their lives. <laughs> uh, no one raised their hands That's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So let's think let let's maybe turn to some more practical things. Where are you now in your planning process and, Uh, Are there any challenges or obstacles you come across or absolute points of joy as you're planning this? What would you share with us about the planning process? Um, Well, just
1: going through the different stages and reading, it's just about all the different towns, the different things. I'm just getting more and more excited about all of that. I'm also feeling a little bit more comfortable with my Spanish. I've been using Duolingo, so there's a plug for Duolingo, but I tell you what, I do it every day for just a couple of minutes, and I'm not feeling as self-conscious. Um, when we go into a restaurant, I'll try to order in Spanish. You know, I'll, I'll try to walk into our little bakery and, you know, hola, buenas tardes, you know, como esta, you know, just right. open it a few weeks ago. And we had bought empanadas, mm-hmm. and I thought there was an empanada left, and there wasn't. My husband ate it.
0: What's up with that? But I,
1: <laughs> but I went in and did the pleasantries, and she's like, style. I'm like, "Mi Esposo, comas empanadas. and she's like, He ate your empanada? I'm like, Yes, <laughs> she goes, you said it in Spanish. I'm like, I said it in Spanish,
0: <laughs>
1: which I just didn't do a very good job of it. But it's like,
0: but you did it.
1: Those little things that, and my husband, John and I, he's doing it too. He's learning Spanish with me. Right. So we'll try to say things together. We'll text during the day and try to ask our, you know each other questions in Spanish or answer in Spanish, just to help me practice. So that's one of the preparation things because I really do want to be able to be polite and use the basics I mean I know once we start hearing people have conversations in Spanish I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> I think I got three words I think it has a dog and I think it's brown that's all I know yeah and
0: something dog. something happens at seven but I, Wait,
1: I don't, know <laughs> don't
0: know what don't know where it's cool
1: So learning the language, hiking, and it's seven degrees today in Michigan, but I I skipped hiking today, but I'm still going out hiking a couple of times or snowshoeing or something to keep my body strong, taking classes. I've got most of my gear. I'm debating on using a current backpack or buying a new one. Outside of that, I've got my poles. I know what shoes I'm going to order. It's the same ones I've worn for 10 years. Just going to get a new pair about a month out. And the only other thing, I need to get my ticket Mm -hmm. (laughs) and my travel insurance. But I took your advice and I looked at Seven Corners. Okay. And I'm going to be going with them. I just need to get my dates squared away. And um, the weather in May is more rainy, so I don't have any waterproof, like, pants or anything like that. So I'm looking for recommendations on that.
0: Okay. And do you have a waterproof jacket or do you have a poncho? I have a
1: poncho, but I I'm also looking for a poncho that'll go over my backpack because mine does not very well.
0: Yeah. If yeah.
1: it does, it doesn't cover my my butt. So I have <laughs> I'd be wet anyhow.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely you want everything to stay dry, including that pack.
1: No, for sure. I, But I have like the little clothesline, just I've got a sleep sack, right? I don't have a whole lot. I'm not taking a whole lot. I oh, want a Swiss Army. I need to buy one of those. But outside of that, I've got most everything I need. Yeah. I'm just excited. <laughs> I need to lose a few pounds so I can get back into the clothes I have put aside. <laughs> but that'll happen.
0: I'm familiar with that plan. <laughs> sadly. Okay, well, so is there anything that I can help you with, with your planning? I had some questions. Yeah, let's have them.
1: How important is it? Once I know where I'm going to be on certain days, how far in advance would you recommend me booking a hotel if I want to stay in a hotel? And do you need to make reservations for the Alberta's?
0: Excellent questions. So let's go with the first one in in making reservations for hotels. One of the things you'll discover when you get there is you'll be able to tell how available things are. You'll be able to tell if there are a lot more pilgrims than there are beds, or if a lot of the pilgrims are staying in hotels. You'll meet them on the trail or in the bars in the villages when you stop for a drink in a restroom. And you'll be able to get a sense of where people are staying. And you'll hear from them, people who are actually on the trail at the same time. Oh, yeah, I'm staying at hotels and I have not had to book. Or I'm staying at hotels and you got to book three days or six days in advance. You'll also find the same thing from the people staying in the albergues. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, these things were booked out. The whole town was full. Or now I had the dorm room to myself. So What I always do is book the first few days. If I know my stage is going out of the gate, I get those booked before I leave home. And then when I get there, then I can see how busy it is and how far in advance I need to book. Another trick would be to, if you know some places is to, let's, let's say you're, for example, starting May 15th and you know that on May 27th, you're going to be in this particular city. What you can do is you can email them or go to their website or go to booking.com and check availability now and see, are they sold out? Do they have plenty of rooms available? What does it look like now? Keeping in mind two things. One is we're still pretty far out. So three months out might not be an accurate picture of what will be available when you're there. And the other thing to keep in mind is that many places Don't put their entire inventory on the booking services. So for example, if a hotel has 10 rooms, they might only put three rooms on booking.com just so they have a presence and so that people find them, but they keep the rest of their rooms back for direct booking or phone bookings or other people who know not to go to the booking.com site. And the reason they do that is because booking.com charges a fairly hefty commission and it can wipe out their profit on their rooms.
1: Okay. That makes a lot of sense.
0: The number one thing that I've seen is to see what happens when you get there. Because what we don't know is how busy the Del Norte route will be. We do know the first weekend in May, coming out of saint jean Pied du port on the Frances route will be absolute chaos because there will be more pilgrims than there are places to sleep. And they'll be opening up the gymnasium in Saint-Jean or the old schoolhouse in Saint-Jean to put pilgrims in there so they're not outside.
1: That's what I was going to ask next.
0: Yeah. But but Del Norte, I would be surprised if it got that busy.
1: But what do they do? So... What do they do if the albergues and the hotels are full?
0: It depends on where you are. So Saint Jean, as I just described, they do everything they can to get the pilgrims someplace to sleep. I've been there at times when there were pilgrims sleeping on the floor of the pilgrims' office in Saint Jean because it was so busy, and a couple people arrived right as the office was closing, going, "We have nowhere," and they said, "Okay, we've got floor space, and there's the bathroom." In other places. For example, I've heard the same thing happens in the last 100 kilometers from Saria to Santiago. They'll open up a school or they'll open up a gymnasium or a, I can't think of what the name is. Um, Polyde, ugh, I'm not even going to try, but it's the, the local community center or athletic club or something like that that has a big gymnasium and they, they'll they open that up. But again, I don't know. I I haven't followed on the Del Norte to know if that's a really common occurrence. But what can happen is you might get in with a big group of pilgrims and go, oh my gosh, the trail is so busy, I'll never find a place to stay. If you hold back and walk a short stage the next day, they can all get ahead of you. And then you're out of the wave and you've got more access to places to stay. Or if you're walking longer stages, you can get ahead of the big wave and have a better chance of finding beds. The other options are if, in fact, there's nothing, you can either take a bus or a taxi someplace else either ahead where you would have been getting to the next day or even off the trail. You could go north or south and find someplace to stay and then come back to the trail the next day. And if you find that happening, that's when you know I need to start booking ahead. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I just want It's like, oh gosh. Again, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that you'll expect that on the Norte.
1: From what I have read, it isn't as traveled.
0: It's not. And there also are fewer places to stay. So for example, in Pamplona, there are maybe five albergues and a hundred places with private rooms. Saria probably has 15 albergues and as many places to get private rooms. Santiago has a zillion places to stay. Other places, for example, the town of, let me think of one that I can think of, um, Espinal, which is just after you come over the Pyrenees from Saint-Jean after Roncesvalles, maybe has one or two albergues and a total of 20 beds. And that is not the end of a big stage. So most people don't stay in that town but you will find towns with one albergue or two albergues and a hotel. So it just depends on how many beds are available. And on the norte, I would expect fewer beds. What you can do is look at, there's a website called Gronze. It's G-R-O-N-Z-E dot And it's in Spanish, but it's it A, will help, learn, help you learn Spanish, but B, still very easy to follow. And it tells you how many beds are available in each of the albergues. And the apps that you can get for the Camino also will tell you how many beds there are in each albergue. So then you know, okay, I'm in with a crowd of 50 pilgrims, and there are 20 beds in the next place that I'm thinking of staying. I better book it.
1: Okay. I'm just writing all this down. (laughs) You said G-R-O-N-T-Z?
0: Drop the T. Gronze, G-R-O-N-Z-E,
1: O-Z-E. Oh, yeah. Okay. So from what you were saying, like there's shorter distances. So what I'm looking at, and where I got my stages are some of those travel sites that oh you can book for us, and there are where I'm getting my stages, my distances between. So there's more than what they're showing, is what I'm
0: understanding. Tell me again where you're getting those from a company
1: well there's a couple sites one was pilgrim.es and the other one is the stingy nomads okay but they have different they have different breakdowns of the stages
0: okay what I might be inclined to do is compare those to gronze and see how those lay out what else would I use for the Norte do you know, is there a guidebook by John Briarly for that route?
1: By John Briarly?
0: hmm
1: I am not sure. There is a guidebook for the Camino Del Norte.
0: Okay. The guidebooks are, are probably, will also give you a really good idea of where there are places to stay so that you can plan those stages. My approach is always to go, well, I know that I want to walk 20 kilometers a day, so I'm going to look for what place is 20 kilometers from where I am. And then just keep hopping 20 kilometers down the trail and get the town or village that's closest to that distance rather than follow the stages that are in the guidebook. And I do that because I don't have a lot of stamina and I have some knee issues and some foot issues that cap me out at about 20 kilometers a day. After that, I'm miserable. So your ability is your physical strength will really help you because you'll be able to go 20, 25, 30 kilometers a day if you need to. Between stages or between towns and villages.
1: I don't want this to be all walking and no. I don't want this to be every day a point A to point B.
0: Yeah, it's not a forced march across Spain.
1: What I don't want. So if I'm tired, I want to give myself grace. If I see something interesting, I want to be able to take a little offshoot and go see Castle Rock or go see whatever i see up on the top of
0: that hill. Yeah, definitely. You know what i i'm now i'm very curious so i'm going to do a little bit of looking around and see what's what i find
1: John Birley does have.
0: He does. Okay. His books are pretty reliable in that they they give you a stage by stage plan that you can completely discard because they sh- he shows you the interim cities, towns and villages. I mean, the cities are, are all major stopping points, but the villages and towns between the places in his stages, he'll show you where there are accommodations so you can stop there if you want a shorter stage.
1: Okay. Do you recommend carrying the book with you or downloading it?
0: I love having paper maps. And so I, I really like having a book with me. What I'm prone to do is tear out the pages once I pass the place. So I'll pull, you know, all the guidebook pages, I'll just tear them out and recycle them. But I always keep the maps because I love the maps. If you really want to cut back on the weight, you could go electronic. You could also take photos on your phone of the maps so that you can just look at the maps on your phone.
1: Yeah. I, I do love a paper map.
0: Yes. And just
1: yes. you never know. I mean, if your phone dies, if you lose it, then you're stuck.
0: Yeah. And I have to be careful how I answer that because I know the Camino Frances so well that I don't need a map on the Frances and I seldom look at a map because it's so familiar. But last year in the spring, I walked the Inglés route, which is from Ferrol, north of Santiago, 115 kilometers south. I had no idea where I was and I had an awfully difficult time not having a good map. And even using Google Maps, I was like, well, but I don't know where I am in relation to that. And that name isn't exactly what Google Maps calls it. So this is not helping me. So it's a strong argument for having a backup.
1: Yeah, especially some of the trails on the Camino de Norte are beach trails. Mm. There is no trail on beach trail. You just have to hope you find the other end of it where it comes out. <laughs>
0: And that's why, and this is a really good point, it's a good idea to have a Camino map, meaning a map that was included in a guidebook about the Camino rather than, say, Google Maps or a straight-out hiking map like you might use on the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. Because the Camino map is going to show you where the Camino Trail goes, where the trail markers are that will lead you to Santiago, which may or may not be a hiking trail per se. And so for that reason, I would absolutely get something that is either on in an app, on a website, or in a guidebook for the Camino specifically. Okay,
1: so, and that would all be included in John Barley's books,
0: right? It would be. And it's a, it's a decent investment because even if you don't carry it, the way that he organizes information gives you a pretty good sense of what you're going to be doing and where you're going to be relative to other things and i like his style of maps not everybody does cuz they're they're like they're almost cartoonish he uses dots to guide you along but i kind of like the dots i got used to the dots
1: no for sure anything that's yeah anything that's going to get me through in the right direction. But like I said before, I know I will get lost. I will I will get myself temporarily misplaced.
0: <laughs> you you might go off the marked trail. And that's really all that's happening because you won't you you're not going to get too far. General rule, if you haven't seen a trail marker of some kind in 15 to 30 minutes, it's time to stop and ask if you're on the trail.
1: Oh. That's good advice.
0: That's actually
1: a question I thought of and I didn't write
0: down. Yeah. And the trail markers, at least on the Frances, are so good. They're almost too good. They become annoying. And they are big signs with arrows and scallop shells. And you're like, yeah, I, I got it. Thank you. But a general rule is you keep going in the direction you're going without turning until there's a trail marker to tell you to turn. Okay. And then if you do think you're off the trail, oftentimes it's really fun. Local people will see you and they'll call out to you, peregrina, peregrina, and they'll point you in the right direction because it's not in anybody's interest for a pilgrim to get lost. They don't want to have to send out the search team for you. They don't want your friends to get to the Alberta and go, I haven't seen Kathy since breakfast. Ah. And then they rally all the, you know, they call the Guardia Civil or they call the police to go search for you. It's not a good use of resources. So they, I think they actually want us to stay on the trail. Well, that's, that's good. That's
1: helpful. And what did you call it? Guardia Civil?
0: Yeah, it looks like the Civil Guard. And I'm probably not pronouncing it quite correctly. Guardia Civil, C-I-V-I-L. Okay. Yeah, it's the Civil civil Guard. And they are, my understanding is, one of their tasks is to make sure pilgrims are safe and pilgrims are protected as they walk the Camino. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is if you do get off track or you're not sure, even if, you know, you might still be on the trail, but not sure, and you see someone, you point in the direction you think you're supposed to go and go, Camino de Santiago? And they'll say, see sí or no. And they'll get, just get you back where you're supposed to be. Oh, awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm getting a lot less nervous about the language barrier. The more I am practicing.
0: Good. Any other questions?
1: You know, I will as soon as I hang up.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I'm available, so you can certainly reach out in some way and we can get on another call just to chat if you'd like. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: And really, really looking forward to it. And again, as the first time, this is just fan the flames. I'm so much more excited than I was even, you know, before we started. This is just great. And I appreciate your helpfulness and your resources and your guidance more than I can say.
0: Mm, It's my pleasure. It's just so satisfying for me to get to hear your story and to bear witness to your journey and to give you even one little piece of information that's helpful is just I'm just tickled to be able to do that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Very much.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, I just want to say, oh, I mean, you've heard it—the the pilgrim blessing, buen camino. And at this, the heart of that is the spirit of wishing you a good way, whatever your way turns out to be. So, I just want to say, buen camino, Kathy. And I can't wait to hear how this goes. Gracias. De nada, peregrina.